Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. Support for Alaist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. It's Film Week on LA Estate 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. We are just hours away from the 22nd Annual Film Week Academy Awards preview at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Be there Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. We'll have all 11 of our critics on stage at the beautiful historic venue. We'll see clips from all the Oscar-nominated films. It'll be a great chance to hear the critics go at it because they're prepping, already hearing what they're saying about the nominees, not just for Best Picture, but the acting categories, the screenwriting categories. You're going to hear them go at it that Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock at the Orpheum Theater downtown. Tickets are available. They're going fast, but you can get them even in these final hours by going to laus.com slash events. That's laus.com slash events. We sure hope to see you there. This week, I'm joined by critics Leo Lowenstein and Tim Cogshell to talk about Dune Part 2, uh, which is in wide release uh, starting uh, on Friday. Tim, what did you think of Dune Part 2? Well, this is very, very very good. This is an excellent film. Picks up right where the first film leaves off, right? Uh, the, at issue, uh, the House of Atreides. So, so our Paul Atreides he has to uh, avenge his house, his family slaughtered in that first movie. While at the same time, he's dealing with these premonitions that he has about what will happen if he assumes the mantle, the messianic mantle that these people, the freemen, would like him to assume. Billions and billions will die. He has these visions about this. Zendaya, uh, one of these freemen who will become his, his significant other, uh, doesn't believe in any of this stuff and, uh, and, and doesn't really believe in him in that context, but wants to support him. All of this stuff is the stuff of Frank Herbert's doom. Fantastic, wonderful. This film is as different from that first film as Alien was from Aliens. All the same stuff. Totally different genre. This film is an action war film, just like Aliens was not a mystery thriller. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens was an action army war. That's what this movie is. All the, the, the narrative, we're going to deal with all of that, but this is a big spectacle film, twice as fast as the other film, even though it's a little bit longer than the other film. The special effects, three, just huge, huge. He, uh, what Denny has done is he's built this on an arc that makes total and complete sense. It draws you into all of this. Um, uh, so all of that is fantastic. You know what else you have in this film? And again, this has to do with Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of this script, right? Uh, that, that, uh, that David Lynch film, 1984. Uh, David famously said that he never read those books, which was obvious. You <laughs> 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 plainly, hey, I had not read those books. Denny read the books. You can tell that he read the books. He knows what these movies, what the book was actually about. Anyway, the first one, anyhow. And he's and he's uh, brought, all, he's restored all of that. To and a sequel, a book that he wrote later, sort of further explaining the what second the character, book. yeah, yeah. Uh, of Paul Atreides represents. Oh, that and messianic. And Denny said that he he brought that into this. It, it is absolutely in this book. It's interesting because 
for one thing, uh, that David Lynch film, but for that matter, all those films that were made by those other books by his son, by Brian Herbert, I think is his name. None of the, all those films were full of, frankly, a whole lot of British people. This film has a lot of brown people in it, saying those Arabic words correctly. Uh, uh, and all of that information is... is, is now. Frank Herbert, who had been a journalist before he started writing these books in the 60s, when he was writing these books in the 60s, sure, he was writing about all of that historic messianic stuff, all of that stuff. But he was also writing about the real world of the 60s, the 50s, for that matter, uh, uh, the Algerians p pushing the French out of Algeria, the things that were going on. All of that is in that 1965 book. That's what he's writing about in real time. Now, much of that was misinterpreted at the time. People... <laughs> People really thought that Paul Atreides represented Jesus. The message. He doesn't. Paul Atreides is not Jesus. He's not Mohammed. He's not any of those things. In the, but he, which is why he wrote that second book, by the way, to sort of dissuade people from so, a lot of these notions. What is in that book, and, and, and because of the way Denny has constructed the script, are the present sort of issues of the day. That day, Algeria, Mali, and all those places, and today. That's in this movie. When you watch these movies today, you can think about things happening in the world today. And that's really what I'll, it, big, exciting, excellently made action. Yes, they are. Watch these movies with an eye toward history, not just ancient history from 2000 years ago, but contemporary history of the day and contemporary history of today. The thought-provoking Dune Part 2, written uh, by Denis Villeneuve and John Spates. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, the director of the film, starring Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, along with Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, and more. It's rated PG-13 in wide release. Problemista is a comedic drama starring Julio Torres, Tilda Swinton, and Riza. It's written and directed by Julio Torres. Leo. I loved Problemista. I think it is one of the one of the so far one of the best films of this year. And it is uh the directorial debut of Julio Torres, and it's it's really just it, it it's it poises him as someone to watch for. He is absolutely incredibly talented. So in this film, Torres plays uh, an El Salvadorian immigrant who comes to the U.S. Uh, hoping to make it as a toy designer. He's got all these crazy ideas about toy design. And uh, he, he, his goal is to work for Hasbro. Well, once he gets here, he finds that he, if he doesn't have a sponsor, he's not going to be able to stay and so on and so forth. He gets his first job, is in a cryogenic factory. Uh, he pretty soon after that gets fired, but he lands a job with Tilda Swinton, who is the widow of the dead artist that he was assigned to monitor, but managed to mess up that job by mm. unplugging the freezer. <laughs> um, Tilda Swinton comes into this frame like like a, a train on fire. She is Miranda Priestly hyped up to the nth degree. She is just she is full of fury and and humor and and dark venom. Um, and somehow this very mild mannered Alejandro, played by Torres, is is he he sees her. He's like you know what I can work with that. He can I, he can sort of humanize her maybe a little bit, and she can sort of make him a little tougher. So it's a coming of age story. It's visually and narratively inventive with touches of. Wes Anderson, almost a little bit of Terry Gilliam. There's visual commentary, beautiful, stunning, kind of clever production design commentary on the the 
complicated labyrinth of the Im- immigrants process, you know, um, <laughs> which is shown through it through an hourglass with with the sands of time dripping out and, and a complicated maze that he has to navigate. Um, it's it's a coming of age story. It's how hard it is to to exist in New York, how hard it is to find yourself, how hard it is to find your way. He also comes out as he comes of age. So it's really so funny, so well done. It's a black comedy. It's absolutely delightful and a very promising talent in Julio Torres, who was, by the way, a writer on Saturday Night Live, yeah. mm-hmm. known mm-hmm. for, uh, among other things... A, uh, Lots of spookies uh, and all that. Yeah, yeah Lale? Lots of spookies. Go ahead. Take it, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> by, let me just say, Problemista is the film we're talking about. Problemista. And, and Torres will be with us next week oh, on Film Week talking about the movie. Yeah, call, call me when he's on the show. I want to talk to this kid. Me too. Look, uh, uh, <laughs> this very good actor he is. Excellent writer. These the jokes and these little circular jokes that he writes. Tilda Swinton, of course, is in wacky mode doing all this going. This kid directs like he's a Saturday Night Live, uh, and, and 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 this feels like a bunch of directorially. I want him to get better. Okay. This is this that we need we need to hone our chops, dude. It's uh, his first film. I know, and I mean, I'm I look. I love you, kid. I love you. I'm telling you, call me. I'm going to talk to him. We, we, we need to sharpen this all up. But he's a wonderful actor and a really smart, smart writer. There's so much vulnerability, and it, it's in just him. so beautiful. Better directing skills are what we need here. That's but, all. But but Tim, he directed that great performance out of Tilda Swinton. That wasn't just all Tilda Swinton doing it on her own. I mean, come Wouldn't on. Wasn't it though? Uh, Come on, She's give the man some Swinton. credit. Give him some credit. I, he's lovely. He wrote yeah. great stuff for, and they and, and they play off each other. It really is. Cute. RZA is in this thing. He plays this artist who only paints eggs, <laughs> which is so funny. Like that. That's it's so absurd. Thing. The, and whole the eggs all have a mood. Eggs, yeah. And when he explains the mood of the eggs as you're looking at them, you're like, oh yes, of course, that's a relaxing egg. Oh, that's an angry. <laughs> you egg. really have to see it to really, appreciate it. But, but it's that, it is that's so all funny. That's it all is lovely. so funny. It's endearing. It's just. It's a great. Yeah, great film. Yeah, uh, is rated R, written and directed by Julio Torres, who stars, and he'll be with us actually two weeks uh, for our feature on Film Week. We continue with Lael and Tim on Spaceman, which is uh, an action drama sci-fi starring Adam Sandler, Carey Mulligan, Paul Dano, and Isabella Rossellini. Uh, Johan Rank is the director. Lael, what would you think of Spaceman? Well, <clears throat> uh... Not didn't love it like I did Problemista. Uh, interestingly, by the way, Isabella Rossellini was the narrator of Problemista, and so it's a there's some continuity here. She plays the director of a space agency in the Czech Republic that is sending that has sent Adam Sandler on a mission to explore a strange purple cloud in somewhere in the universe out around Jupiter somewhere around say. Jupiter yeah. yeah and uh he has when we first meet him he has been on this mission for 189 days six months half a year and he's lonely he is the the some of the equipment like the toilet is malfunctioning a little bit on his spaceship and it's got the sort of sort of old feel like you know it feels a little bit you know um old school and meanwhile his wife played by Carrie Mulligan is on earth and she is very pregnant and she is having some second thoughts about their marriage and she sort of decides well she decides this is the time when she's going to tell him that she's going to leave him so the premise (laughs) is very the setup is really kind of interesting very intriguing it got me hooked with that um 
he's also someone who's been sort of disengaged from his life, from his wife, from, you know, his marriage a little bit. He, he loves her and he wants her to be there to support him. But he's just very much in his own head, his own job, his own business. And, um, you know, this this distance between this emotional distance is now manifested in the physical distance. And she's like she says, I'm going to go. Meanwhile, the, the people who run the equivalent of NASA say, um, you know, we're not going to give you that message. We're not going to send him that message because we need him to be really focused. So there's some confusion, some some drama around that it gets really weird when uh, a, a giant tarantula shows up that's sort of an alien in the spaceship i can't say too much i'll let tim take it, it goes oh, yeah, down yeah, voice, i thought it goes voice, downhill voice meditative paul and interesting dano, this giant spider this giant spider voiced by paul dano and you know questions as to whether or not this is all in his head because he's out there like look you decide to dump me when i'm three quarters of the way to jupiter now now you're gonna dump me <laughs> are you kidding it, 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 look this is adapted from this checkbook and what they do do is a couple of interesting things sort mm-hmm. of uh, scientifically. Uh, they solved the problem, for instance, of, uh, of uh, delayed uh, time breaks in messaging by, by coming up with something called faster than light communication. Check so there's connect. No, uh, the check connect there. <laughs> and she has... Th- now... Paul, uh, um, um, uh, uh, Adam is in is in introspective mode here. He's very quiet and thoughtful. Still a little bit funny, but as you'd expect, someone yeah. living <laughs> you know, millions of alone loneliness. In space. <laughs> uh, loneliness in terms of being alone, but loneliness also in, in in terms of how we are sometimes, just when we are in the world. All of that is what this is about. It's a little too slow and a little too philosophical and introspective. And the s- for spider me. sort of psychoanalyzes him. It's weird. He has conversations with the spider. It gets a little. It's as if how. Like uh, how, you're, yeah. we're, 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 you know, less uh, mean and didn't want to kill you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but but that's what's going on in this movie. It kind of reminded me of Moon a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sam Rockwell, Zowie Bowie's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this sort of thing. But it doesn't, didn't quite work for me. Yeah, it didn't quite get there. Spaceman is streaming on Netflix. It's rated R, starring Adam Sandler, Carey Mulligan, and Paul Dano. Cabrini is a biographical drama focused on the life of Italian immigrant Francesca Cabrini, who arrived in New York City and advocated for children and for the poor in the city. The film stars Christiana Delana, John Lithgow in the cast as well. Alejandro Monteverde is the director. Tim, what did you think of Cabrini? Please get us started before we break. I actually rather enjoyed this biopic from Angel Studios, which is a faith-based studio. The, the director of this directed The Sound of Freedom and a few other things. But this is a pretty faithful uh, uh, biography of, of uh, Cabrini. Um, uh, who created the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a religious organization, came to the United States, sent here by the Pope uh, in 1889 with six of her sisters, and they built this organization in an extremely racist New York that treated Italian people about as badly as they treated uh, Irish people and black people. So she had to build all that. I have a cousin who lived in the Cabrini Green housing projects in Chicago. Very famous Very famous housing projects. When, when I was a kid, when, in the middle of the 70s, you know, I never thought about it. That's her. If you roam around the United States, you will find things with the word Cabrini on them. That's her. Uh, she was beatified uh, and became one of the first, the first saint woman uh, beatified in the United States. Cabrini uh, is the film, again, starring Christiana Del Ana, Alejandro Monteverde, the director. Rod Barr wrote the screenplay. It's rated rated PG-13, and uh, it goes into wide release next Friday, March 8th. We'll hear what Lael has to say about it, but I do want to remind you that Lael and Tim and our other nine critics will all be up on stage this 
Sunday at 1 o'clock at the Orpheum Theater downtown L.A. for our 22nd annual Film Week Academy Awards preview. You'll hear them go at it over all the top categories of the Oscars. If you've never been there, make sure, because this is a great year in movies, that you don't miss it. I'm looking forward to this one as much as any of the ones we've done because of the range of terrific films and performances. Tickets at LAist.com slash events. Back in a minute. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center presenting American Mariachi by Jose Cruz Gonzalez. It's the 1970s and women can't be mariachis, or can they? American Mariachi is a feel-good comedy about familia, amor, and tradición that will send your heart soaring and put a bounce in your step with a wave of vibrant, infectious live music. On stage through June 9th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org. It's Film Week on L.A. is 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle with critics Tim Cogshell of Alt Film Guide and Synagogues.com. Leo Lowenstein, our uh, critic, joining us as well. We're going to hear from Leo about the biopic Cabrini on the life of Francesca Cabrini, Italian immigrant to New York City who had a huge impact on the lives of those living in poverty in that city and around the country. The film is directed by Alejandro Monteverde, rated PG-13. Leo, what did you think of Cabrini? So I, you know, I, I agree with Tim. I, I liked the film. I thought it was really impressively done, beautifully mounted, sort of gorgeous to look at. Um, and her story is incredibly, incredibly impactful. I mean, the fact that she created not only this this orphanage in New York as an immigrant herself, but then a hospital and then a network of orphanages, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. I mean, it's really amazing that a woman could do that, you know, beginning in the, in the late 19th century. And everything that she came up against, including resistance from the archbishop, you know, even from the Vatican, you know, the way it handles it, and this is really my only objection with the film, is that some of it felt very staged and very Hollywood. Like she has this, she's like the one of the one of the senior archbishops in in the Vatican says, "No, we will not allow you to go from Italy to to." She wants originally to go to China to build an orphanage, and he's like, "No, we've got you've written us eleven times to ask us. We'll it's it's no, and it's no is final." And then she says, "Well, then I must speak to His Holiness. I must speak to the Pope." So then she she speaks to the Pope, played by Giancarlo Giannini, by the way, wonderful Italian actor, yeah. and. Um, and somehow, you know, she manages to convince him with her charm that this is that he must let her go. And over and over, this scene sort of plays out over and over and over again. She meets a very powerful man who says, what, a woman? You, you know, come on, you can't. And by the way, Italians are whatever, this and that. And, you know, but then she impresses them or pushes her way through. Or at one point, she she gets a newspaper writer from The New York Times to to write a story about it that that actually changes things, shifts things in her direction. And, you know, I just thought, 
it's a really, really impressive story. Her life, which I then Googled and, you know, was wanted to read every detail about, was really interesting. And actually, she does bear a bit of a resemblance to the actress, um, Christiana Delana, who plays her. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I thought it was just a little too sort of a little too staged, a little too cinematically. Over and the- that's one of the problems I have in a lot of biopics. Right? Because one scene has to stand in for so much. For so much. And so you feel like it didn't really happen this way. Because right. that's, you know, it's, it's like a composite it's reduced. Scene. It's like yeah. it's everything is just pushed yeah. into that one scene. And, and so as a consequence, it feels a little bit disingenuine, which is too bad because as a whole, I thought the movie was, you know, worth mm. seeing. Yeah. We're talking about Cabrini, rated PG-13. It's in wide release starting next Friday, March 8th. The romantic thriller Love Lies Bleeding stars uh, Kristen Stewart, Katie O'Brien, and Jenna Malone. Rose Glass directed and co-wrote the screenplay with Veronika uh, Tofilska. Tim, what did you think of Love Lies Bleeding? Oh, I love this vicious little movie. This is just a mean, nasty, nasty, vicious little movie. Uh, that's As so the funny. title would indicate. <laughs> so funny, but vicious is nasty. I, I'm nuts about Christian Stewart. He's great. Uh, Rose Glass, of course, did St. Maud, too. This uh, little movie, uh, uh, which takes place in Mexico, you have um, uh, Christian Stewart who works at this uh, workout facility, right? Uh, and she, she has this father who's this guy played by Ed Harris. You just got to look him up. With the, 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 the thing he's doing with his hair, it tells you everything you need to know about his character. Just look at his hair and you know who he is right away and then this this uh woman this rising bodybuilder comes to town played by katie o'brien katie we've been watching her for a long time she's in the mandalorian uh she's in uh black she was in black lightning she's an agent of shield she's been this and she's just this, this good solid actress she makes her bones in this movie as this bodybuilder uh and there's this crime thing that's going on behind all of this as they start this affair and we get this this movie that reminds me of the early Coen Brothers movies. I mean, early Coen Brothers, Blood yeah. Simple. Yeah, early. Blood Simple. Yeah, um, those little mean movies. Even yeah. even Fargo. With the knife in the hand. When they put the guy through the chipper, this movie gets that mean. Uh, while mean, while still just being so funny, just just funny, 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 funny all the way through. It's a sharp, pointed little movie, uh, and I think it makes a movie star out of our Katie O'Brien. Love Lies Bleeding, the romantic thriller starring Kristen Stewart and Katie O'Brien. Directed by Rose Glass. You can see it at the Los Feliz Theater uh, starting this Sunday, March 3rd, and then it expands to select theaters on March 15th. It's rated R. The music documentary The Reverend tells the story of Reverend Vince Anderson. The film is uh, directed by Nick Canfield. Leo, what would you think of The Reverend? So it says, I'm very mixed on this documentary. It, it, it sort of starts out kind of eh, but then it gets significantly better halfway through. A little background, uh, Vince Anderson in the 90s was going to seminary school. I guess in the in the 80s, he, he went to seminary school. He, he felt a calling to be a reverend to be a minister, he dropped out and realized that what he really wanted to do was be a musician. Um, But he created this band called the Love Choir, and with this really sort of raspy voice and sort of like uh, gnarly, uh, you know, approach to music, he he has this sort of underground band, and they play in clubs, they play in churches, and he's preaching the he's preaching through his music. Let's say he's it's gospel, but he he himself doesn't 
claimed to be always a reverend. He also never completed his seminary training. He didn't even get through, he didn't get <laughs> through the first month. No, he did. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but um, but he's you know he's known as the reverend. And um, I thought the first sort of th- two thirds of the, half of the film was sort of eh, it's sort of interesting. But you know, Questlove is there. He talks about meeting him, even playing backup drums on the band in the band at one point. A lot of the musicians who are in the band say, you know, we're not even religious. We don't even believe in God. We don't whatever. But it's but he communicates. He connects with people through his music and through his you know sort of preaching preaching through his music but at about halfway through the film he uses the or addresses the fact that he is a christian and that christianity has been abused um in support of trump in support of right wing the right wing movement and that he says there's another way like you can still be connected to god and to your community but it doesn't mean you need to be connected to trump like you know let's think about this let's think about the common good let's think about you know what religion what really what the teachings of christ were about which is you know be kind do unto others and and all of that and that's not that's not there's a there's a riff that he goes on where he's like you know jesus said be kind to those who don't have i don't think trump would really support that you know, anyway, it's uh, it, it gets significantly better in the middle. And I thought it was interesting, the idea of being a religious influencer um, and how those those that power can be used for different things. And I thought it was, you know, he's a really interesting, interesting character. And are his songs explicitly religious or Not just the rap that he does, the, like leading into I the mean, song? There, there, he does he, a lot of gospel music. There's some gospel. There, yeah, he yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. God. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a holy roller. He rolls hard, too, boy. He, he does, but he also says, "I." Somebody said that I don't believe in God. I'm not going to listen to you. And he says, "Well, I don't believe in God Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday." <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's it it is an interesting film that he makes these very specific. He's like Doctor John uh, meets Helen Roof with a little bit of oh I don't know uh, who's that Reverend that used to with the curly hair uh, Reverend Ike. Oh, uh, with, Reverend Ike. With a little yeah. spice, little, little yeah. tap of Reverend Ike in there. That's who he is. Yeah, Reverend Ike, a powerhouse. The Reverend is unrated. It's streaming on the Criterion Channel. Amelia's Children, a Portuguese horror thriller that stars Bridget Lundy Payne and Carlotto Cota. Uh, the film's written and directed by Gabriel Abrantes. Tim, what did you think of uh, Amelia's or Amelia's Children? Well, it's a sharp little horror movie. This is Cronenbergian, if I can coin a term. I think I might be coining a term yeah. right there, uh, if, if you will. Uh, this, 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 this film opens with a young woman who seems to be having at least one of her two twins stolen from a very quick sequence. Fast forward to present day. We find this young man and his, and his girlfriend who is a doctor, and he, he, he does one of those DNA tests and finds out that he has a twin brother and they go to visit this twin brother in Portugal the twin brother is also played by this actor who is a very good actor he affects these two characters one of them has a Portuguese accent and and the guy that he's playing from New York doesn't have a point so he's really killing this um, and we slip into this story that's going to explain what happened to that first baby and what's going on here um, the actress that plays his mother we're gonna meet his mother her face is disfigured in these in this horrible way the makeup is is fascinating extraordinary she plays so we see her in present day as well as back then she's ridiculously beautiful but when she's wrapped in this grotesque and she it's just really really good and like i said it goes to those cronenbergian places to yeah. make you real uncomfortable as i was gonna say it sounds kind of spine tingling oh, and yeah. unsettling yeah. Uh, yeah yeah that's exactly where we are we're talking about amelia's children from portugal the horror thriller written and directed by gabriel abrantes it's unrated in english and portuguese and subtitled you can see it at lemley's glendale theater and it's available on demand 
Megamind versus the Doom Syndicate is an animated film, uh, and the uh, movie's directed by Eric Fogel, written by Alan Schoolcraft and Brent Simons. Megamind versus the Doom Syndicate, Lael. Yes. Well, <laughs> the last Megamind, the original Megamind, came out in 2010. It made $310 million worldwide, so it was quite a hit, over $100 million in the U.S. It had a dream cast with Will Ferrell in, this, in the title role, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt, it, a fantastic And it brought soundtrack. us the Minions, it, didn't it? We, well, hang on to that oh, for a okay. second, because there's right. an issue with that. It, br- it brought us the concept of minions yeah. but but not the actual oh the character that's a different okay. franchise oh okay which is actually addressed in this one that they're no longer able to ki- call a character minion for copyright reasons <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the funniest that's, thing about this very funny. i i did watch the original Me- megamind a couple nights ago just to make sure that i you know was fresh on it um it, it was pretty entertaining of what it is to be a villain and a hero and the need for an antagonist and that one megamind will ferrell uh who who dispatches with uh, another uh villain pretty quickly he realizes that he needs to create a villain so he turns himself into a hero and then creates a villain to oppose him this has none of those voice actors it supposedly happens only a couple days after the original despite the fact that it's 14 years 14 years later in real life and so when he megamind had a flip phone two days ago in the 2010 version and this one suddenly everyone has smartphones including a a 10 year old girl who wants to be an influencer um the, there's what no a difference uh, they right <laughs> right exactly there's no continuity there, there's the characters also visually are rendered cheaply i'm sure charles would have a lot to say about that um overall it feels like a cash grab with lame jokes that pander to kids and it doesn't even feel like the same characters by the way if you're thinking well this sounds like they're trying to set it up for a tv series you're right <laughs> they are there's a tv series on peacock a new a new megamind that they're setting up but if you like the first one do yourself a favor and stay away from mm. this megamind so this is setting up i guess for the series megamind rules that right. uh, will be coming later mm. uh so the sequel to megamind megamind and the doom syndicate directed by eric fogel and it's streaming on peacock Silver Haze is uh, a drama that stars Vicki Knight, Esme Reed Miles, and it's written and directed by Sasha Pollock. Uh, what do you think of Silver Haze, Tim? Uh, this is actually quite powerful, quite quite moving. Uh, v- Vicki Knight, keep her in mind. In, in, in this movie, we have a young woman named Frankie uh, who was was burned uh, over forty percent of her body when she was eight years old in this in this fire. She, right in, in the film, she's a nurse working, and she really has this need for either revenge or at least accountability uh, with the individual or individuals that, 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 that caused this thing that happened 15 years ago. And we watch this movie that's happening here, and she falls in love uh, with one of her patients. She's a beloved figure at this hospital where she works. Now, this young woman, Vicki Knight. Uh, Vicki Knight is a young woman who, when she was eight years old, was burned over 80% of her body. Um, uh, and, and she's in this film playing this character. She's been in several films, including another one of the series films. But this is a factual sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This film comes out of a workshop that she did with this director that incorporates these things that actually happened to her in her life into uh, you know, this narrative fiction story. So we, we have her playing not exactly her, but a character who experienced this exact same thing that she experienced. And they sort of work their way out into this, into this uh, fictional story. Um, she is a magnificent actress. She is not afraid of anything, literally anything. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I just I, and, and it's, this is a very good movie, too. It's not just her. The film is good. They, they, they managed to take this reality and to craft it into a film that's very identifiable. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I recommend this highly. You, you really want to see this and, and don't shy away from it. Um, yeah, don't shy away from it. Stars Vicki Knight and Esme Creed Miles, Charlotte Knight in the cast as well. Sasha Polak uh, was the writer-director uh, of the film Silver Haze. It's unrated, and you can see it at the Lumiere Cinema in Beverly Hills. And starting March 12th, it'll be available on demand. Just want to remind you that Lael and Tim will be with all of our other Film Week critics, everyone on stage this Sunday one o'clock in the afternoon at the beautiful historic Orpheum Theater on Broadway in downtown Los Angeles, the 22nd year that we've done this. We began with a series at Hollywood's Egyptian Theater, moved to larger venues on Broadway. Now we're at the Orpheum for the second straight year, and we sure hope you're there in the audience. It's a beautiful place to see clips of your favorite films of the year. That's what we're going to do, and our critics are going to weigh in on all the different categories And you'll hear plenty of back and forth because so many of these categories are really hotly contested, great performances, terrific screenplays, and dynamite films for us to debate. It may be hard to find a consensus, but it'll sure be fun to listen to all of it. Join us this Sunday at 1 o'clock at the Orpheum Theater. Get your tickets now at laus.com slash events. That's laus.com slash events. I sure look forward to seeing you Sunday. More to come on Film Week will look at the best international films. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.